0: Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing, so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from Innovabuzz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to InnovaBiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast.
1: job as any business owner is to create relationships. It's to value the relationships of the transaction and stop thinking in a one-dimensional way. So many people are thinking leads, client, right? That's not how it works. That's like the, that's one path. And that's great. However, you're leaving a ton of money on the table. If you aren't looking at referral partners, affiliate opportunities, strategic partners, uh, you know, podcasting, speaking, visibility, connections, friendship. Every single one of those doors is open, but if you keep the blinders on, you're going to leave opportunity behind because it's constantly knocking. The good news is, is once you walk through one of those doors, all of those doors become available to you again. But you have to be willing to do the upfront work, which means keeping in touch with people, stop using them for a one-off experience and keep in touch and see how you can be of value to them.
0: Welcome back. I hope your week's been awesome so far. If you haven't listened yet to my recent conversations with Lauren Yee, cultivator of curiosity, and with Wade Galt of the Three Day Weekend Club, then listen in. They're well worth it. But stay here and listen to today's episode first. I'm really excited to have on the InnovaBuzz podcast as my guest today, Kat Stancic. She's lead boss at Action Incubator. Kat works with time-crunched experts and entrepreneurs who want to multiply their six figures over and over again to scale past seven and beyond that. If you're ready to toss out complicated, overly automated tech and funnels that are expensive and time-consuming to build, never work as well as people told you they would, and make you want to tear your hair out, then this episode is for you. Kat's going to share a simple and strategic approach to consistently fill your pipeline with high-qualified leads that are ready to buy so you can hit your revenue targets predictably and spend your time the way you want. Sounds fascinating. In our discussion today, Kat talked to me about focusing on what we are passionate about and delegating the rest. We talked a lot about documenting processes in a way that empowers our team and provides valuable training and development opportunities. And she explained why it's important to put effort into creating ease. Without further ado, then let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Kat Stancic. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited to welcome today to the InnovaBuzz podcast from Kensington, Maryland in the United States, Kat Stancic, who's the lead boss at Action Incubator and host of the Revenue Accelerator podcast. Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, Kat, it's a great privilege to have you as my guest.
1: Thank you for having me and making the time, I appreciate it, and getting up really early. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not so early for me, That's fine. fine. Now, Jason Van Orden, who was our guest on episode 275 of the InnovaBuzz podcast, suggested that we have a conversation with you and introduced us, Kat, so a big hello to Jason. Yes. All right, now you work with time-poor experts and entrepreneurs to build systems for growth that are predictable and repeatable, so I'm a big systems nerd myself, so I'm really looking forward to hearing your take on that and learning about how you implement that with your clients. Now before we start talking about all things systems and how that impacts the growth of your business, what's the impact you're making in the world today?
1: You know, it's funny. It it changes over time. But really, honestly, at the end of the day, um, the words may change, but the energy is always the same, which is really about enabling people to believe in themselves and achieve the results that someone should have believed in them. Right. They should. Someone should have believed in them in that way that I believe in them. Um, and achieve the results that they knew are possible. So however you want to show up and create impact in the world, it's about how do we create that ease and flow to be able to realize that. And so for me specifically with my clients, it's all about, yes, making more money, but really what what does the money reflect for the impact that you're having with the people that you're supporting and the lives that you're changing?
0: Hmm. Yeah, I love that. And And somebody said to me recently, you focus first on the impact the money will flow. Mm. and it's it's kind of a little counterintuitive but there's so many examples of that where um you know we focus on the numbers or the money or the the measure of the results and forget about focusing on the results that we're trying to achieve and and the impact of those results, which I think is is the big one
1: very true i mean it's it's definitely a mind heart alignment, so yes, we need to know the numbers, yes, we need to know the money's coming in, yes, mm. we need to to have those things because if not, um you know so I ran this this crazy race, this tough mutter recently, and I was literally today I was writing down like the ten things I took away from it. Um, And one of the things that I wrote down was the biggest obstacles aren't the ones this, that you see, it's the ones that are in your mind. Yeah. And so, right, like looking at that and saying, okay, how can I reduce the obstacles that are in my mind? Well, the numbers and the money and those things that are all ego driven, help calm <laughs> your mind down so you can get connected to your heart, which is where the impact and the action really comes from. And so when those two things are just Really well, let's aligned. Really, then that's when you move into action and you actually implement, and you're not just spinning your wheels, staying busy in your business.
0: Hmm. The the other thing I like about your example there, and I've I've got a really good one along those lines on bike riding, is you know the motivation to complete an event like that is usually pretty strong because we're kind of you know we've set ourselves this event that we enjoy to a certain extent and then at some point <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah the effort the <laughs> effort becomes um rather well the effort overwhelms the enjoyment <laughs> but we we push through right we we complete the effort um which i think for me says you know the, it's the motivation that's really key as well mm-hmm. yeah i i did about a year ago pre covid this was um I did a bike ride and, and decided to challenge myself and did over 100 miles with hills um, and lots of open areas and wind. <laughs> and along the way, you know, I had some mechanical difficulties, which turned out to be one of the cranks was actually cracked, which meant that I was probably running on 50 to 60% power. Mm. It was on, one, on one side, I wasn't actually transferring the power of my leg fully into the pedal. Fine. and um but at the time i didn't realize that i i thought it was something different um and i and i just pressed on but you know throughout that race there were times when i was ready to just throw in the towel and but it was really all in the mind you know, at the end of the day i completed the ride and even completed it in in just outside the time that i'd set myself despite mm. this fairly serious mechanical issue that I only learned about afterwards how serious it was, and so it, it highlighted to me, you know, the the, the mindset shifts that I was going through, and I realized, you know, here, here comes the inner voice saying time to give up and so on. So I was battling the inner voices. Oh, oh, if okay. You don't
1: want to quit your business once a week. You're not trying hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But what an analogy, right? In terms of you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Fantastic. Mm. Um, you know, you kind of want to punch someone in the face sometimes, but looking at, you know, how often are we putting so much effort into our business only to find out later on that we didn't really need to work so hard, right? Exactly. So we've been wasting energy, wasting time, staying busy, putting in the effort and mm. not really getting the results. And then again, you know, looking maybe 10 years down the line, realizing, well, actually I was getting the result. It's actually everything is being done for me and not being done to me. And when mm. you can switch that experience in your life, then it really calls in a lot more abundance and an opportunity to see the positive and not just kind of experience the negative.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's that's a big mindset shift, isn't it? That hmm. everything's being done for me rather than to me. It's kind of saying, "Well, yeah." You know, I'm, especially I'm, if you've I'm done, done.
1: shitty stuff. <laughs> <It's> yeah. <hard.
0: laughs> yeah. And and not to say that you know I've got it all together. I mean, I'm you know we're going through. The, we were talking before about the um, spread of the Delta virus here, and, and we're, in, we're in lockdown. And um, in fact, our little town has got heaps of exposure sites, so I'm kind of hunkered down in, in our little cave at home, <laughs> not going out, which is a bit, a bit depressing, really, or it's um, you know, sad. But at the same time, I keep reminding myself: focus on the things you can control, yeah. and make the best of it, which I think is is that it's being done for me rather than to me
1: we just use Um, it in marketing you know guys like this is like real life (laughs) marketing you know there's so much good stuff here so like really there's just advantages all around us um whether or not you know it's two sides of the same coin so you Mm. just get to choose which perspective you want to hold on to
0: Mm. so do you have a a strategic approach to kind of implementing this mindset in the business and and then building systems around that to run it, you know
1: it, it was funny with less
0: um, effort, as you said
1: <laughs> yeah, so I'm a huge fan of putting effort into creating ease. I used to call it putting effort into being lazy, um but that just doesn't you know convey the right imagery if you will, mm. um but you know for me, mindset, of course, is we all heard it is eighty percent ninety percent ninety nine percent it doesn't matter what it is. Um, But, you know, that's the reality of it. Right. So that kind of parlays into everything that I do, which is, you know, we can have systems, we can have structure, we can have everything kind of planned out and figured out and templates and, and scripts and all that. But at the end of the day, life happens. COVID happens. Mm. Something happens. A kid walks into your room while you're <laughs> on a podcast happens. And so how are you adapting and modifying and leveraging your strengths? Right. Instead of looking at, again, you know, what's the experience you want to have? Does it undo you or do you kind of re kind of ACDC power it? Right. So how do you convert that experience into something positive that empowers you and helps you move forward versus undoing you and kind of shorting you out? And so for me, mindset is just completely interwoven with everything that I talk about. People don't realize how much is in everything that I teach. Um, and it's not that I position myself as a mindset person. It's not even that I say, Hey, let's have a mindset conversation. Hmm. Um, but I do have a coaching background and I do have one of the highest certification levels in that industry. And I am accredited because it is so important. Most things are very easily learned. The problem is, is that people don't actually do the work. So, you know, all of us have been in a place where we, we have said, I know what I need to do. And inside your head, you're going, but I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so what are the things that you need to support yourself with to help you stay in that place of action? Because again, at the end of the day, the person that puts their left foot in front of the right foot is going to get to the finish line faster than the person that decides to sit on the side of the road.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's the old done is better than perfect.
1: Yes, yeah. Um, I mean, there's so much of this parallels kind of some of the things that I was, um, writing about today. But, you know, um, I think one of the things that people don't give credit for when it comes to mindset is actually the community. So we've all heard of it before, you know, birds of a feather flock together. Um, you know, the five people you surround yourself are kind of the, the average of the sum of the five people you hang around with. Mm-hmm. But I don't think people actually really kind of do audits in terms of, who they're spending their time with, who they're listening to, who they're following, who they're actively engaged in. Like, if you are really wanting to create more impact in the world, are you surrounding yourself by inspiration? Or are you just kind of sitting by the sidelines and letting other people dictate how you get to show up in the world?
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's, um, I think that's a really important, um, point and particularly these days i mean i've kind of taken a complete diet off reading facebook or anything people sort of sometimes tell me friends will say you know didn't you see that post on facebook i say well no (laughs) you know i'm completely ignoring facebook because (laughs) that that's part of that you know you're surrounding yourself with lots of people that are posting just plain wrong stuff or you know very negative things in in this current environment we find ourselves in and i say well you know i can I can come up with plenty of negative stuff myself i don't need to go look <laughs> on facebook and, awesome. and yeah yeah <laughs> and, well, i mean, uh, I much prefer to podcast. look at you know good information and yeah. hopefully things that are helpful
1: right well and, and you know it, it kind of looks at a little bit you know parlays a little bit into what's your system and your process so um, I can easily get sucked into the world of Facebook. I actually have to close the tab and I have specific times that I go in and I go in with a specific mm-hmm. intention. If I just start perusing, it becomes scroll central. I actually had to delete TikTok off of my phone because <laughs> it's just a time suck. Actually, I noticed specifically when you open the app, they don't have the time on there. It's like a Las Vegas casino, right? So like they, they turn off the light, they turn off any perception of time. And oh, so, well. you know, these are these are apps that are strategically designed to get your attention you know so you have to understand what you're walking into if you're a gambler don't go to a casino (laughs)
2: Hmm.
1: if you're someone that easily gets you know uh kind of wrapped into the scroll you've got to be strategic as to how you're spending your time and so for me i've been closing my tabs going in at very specific times with a specific goal i have a list of people that i nurture i have Things that I post, I have systems and automation that help prevent me from having to go in there when I don't need to be because all of that is just self sabotage and I have to recognize it for what it is. And it's satisfying a need that I have now instead of me putting in the effort to satisfy the bigger need and my bigger purpose. And so we've got to understand where do we behave in a way that actually very, you know, intentionally we sabotage ourselves. But if we're not Hmm. actively participating in awareness, then we're the only reason why we're not more successful. Can't blame anybody else. It's absolutely all within our control.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the, what's the saying that if you wanna know what the problem is, have a look in the mirror. Or something something to that extent, yeah.
1: You know, it's it's the same thing. It's the same philosophy that I approached when I used to work in consulting, right? So I managed, you know, hundreds of people on a team, multi, I mean, just, you know, a billion dollar projects, you know, like 50 million, 150, 250 million dollar projects and things like that. And whenever something went wrong, most people's tendency is to look outwardly. And my tendency was always to look at how did I contribute to this, I may not be the full owner of what went wrong, but something I did or didn't do contributed to this result. And so what are the things that are within my control? And how do I enable other people to have that level of ownership, not only in their business as my current, you know, career option and choice, but also in their lives. And really, when you can own that aspect of things, even of the things like i seeing the shadows of where you have influence, that's how you start really kind of feeling more in control in your space and in your life, and so much of business can feel completely outside of our control
0: hmm. all right well what um you know we, we <laughs> kind of alluded to systems and so on what what can we what can you give us in terms of an approach to systems that helps make things easier for us and what we should be putting our effort in to make things easier? Uh,
1: Well, I mean, the obvious one, which is, I I roll my eyes because I know everyone else is gonna roll their (laughs) eyes. (laughs) Documenting, I mean, I know, right? I mean, you know, communal sigh, eye roll audibles, like all this other stuff, but I think that people don't really understand the the amount of power that they release in their business because they're not Hmm. taking the time to actually identify their own recipe for success. So right now I'm talking about the CEO of the business and every entrepreneur should be thinking in terms of a CEO. You're not the founder. You're not the business owner. You are the CEO, meaning you are responsible for driving change and implementing the vision and inspiring others. If not, right. And it's part of your team to help support you in doing that. And so as a CEO, what are you doing to not only enable yourself to succeed, but to enable future team members to be successful as well. And it really comes down to understanding how you do business. So, you know, we're gonna assume, you know, you've got some team members, you're maybe the CEO of the person, but what it comes down to is that documentation aspect of stuff, how do you do what you do and how do you make it repeatable? I had a conversation with someone the other day and they said, I do everything intuitively. And I said, BS, (laughs) I said, that's fine. You can think in that way and you can think you're the queen of special, Right. But at the end of the day, if you want to scale your process and you want to scale your business, then you have to create a mechanism for other people to be successful as well. Yeah. And so that means looking at how are you doing marketing? How does intuition hit you? What are the indicators? What pops into your head? How can someone tap into that energy and become as intuitive as you? What is the training? What's the resource? What's the thing that they need to learn? Because you and of yourself became connected to your intuition and therefore went through a process so it's looking beyond not just necessarily what the words are on paper but what are the experiences that that person needs to have in order to be successful in that role not just the words how are you showing up in the world to create that know like and trust and then how enable other people to have that extension right because we know that there have been places and times where someone has been scaling their business and everyone has said "Well, i want to work with that person well that person's you're going to have to pay a lot more to get access to them. So you're going to have that's to right. yeah. <laughs> either deal with the level that you can get into or pony up the cash to get up to that level. So what are you putting in place to help that person climb the ladder to get mm. to you as you're continuing to scale yourself?
0: Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. I um, I mean, I, as I said earlier, I'm I'm a big fan of systems. And then I used to write a whole lot of systems back in my corporate day and document things and always had this argument with with creative people in the research space (laughs) of uh, we can't have these these are too restrictive you know we're creative we create things well yeah there's a process to create stuff but one of the things um uh, david jennings from systemology said to me years ago now and this just transformed the way I did this. He said, just record yourself doing something mm-hmm. and explain explain what it is you're doing, why you're doing it and what the outcome is. And then have somebody else write it up because that person will then say, Why did you do this bit? You know, where you've made that intuitive leap or where you've made an assumption. You know, for example, I, I might say, Well log into log into this um this system and okay. start doing this step. You know, we'll Somebody might then say, "Well, where do I find the log into that system?" Which has to be part of the process, and you've made this little assumption there that they'll know where to log that right. in. So they will ask you those questions. They will say, "Why did you go from uh, I call C it to playing? B?
1: You got to play the blonde, the dumb blonde." So yeah, I yeah. did business process reengineering. I did a whole bunch of process capturing. I mean, I was visioing everything. <laughs> you guys didn't get that joke. Mm. <laughs> So, but really, you know, what I had to do, having been a blind, I literally would sit there and be like, and what next and what next and questioning those assumptions, because Mm. it's not just necessarily about documenting what you're doing. It's actually asking the question, can this be done better? Can this be done more efficiently? Mm. However, it needs to be documented initially, which is one of the things that I think a lot of people make the mistake on, which is they spend all this time and effort documenting stuff. You're doing it. That's awesome. A plus gold star. Are you doing it consistently? Are you looking back at your documentation at a minimum of once a quarter and looking at what's changed? How have we improved this? How is this different? Because one of the most crippling things that employers and CEOs and, you know, whether you have VAs that you contract part-time or actual employees, the most crippling thing is being, uh, you know, tolerating ineptitude, right? And so because that person doesn't have what they need or because you're afraid that they're going to walk away with that internal knowledge, when you are empowered by knowing that someone at any given time can step into that role because you have everything there to support them, hmm. then you can start making more intellectual business decisions versus emotional ones.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. And the other the other thing about, you know, allowing others to step into that, it, it's, for us, it's great training material, bringing new people on board. And, um, you know, we, uh, we had, well, two years ago, now we lost a key person because she decided um well she fell in love and decided to move to the u s with her now husband uh, which you yeah, know fair enough <laughs>
2: but <laughs>
0: that wasn't that wasn't going to work for us mm. because of time zone things yeah. and so on and um we basically had a two week time frame of handover, but because everything was so well documented that two week was was plenty of time to train. The new person that we brought on board, and also, you know, once once the um, the incumbent had left and was no longer available, just for the quick Q and A think thing, that the all the documentation there was the first point of call for the new person until they were up to speed. Mm-hmm. And then, as you said, you know, they brought a new perspective and said, well, "Why why are we doing it this way? Couldn't we couldn't we change this because it'll be easier?" And so, okay, yeah, that's good.
1: Exactly. Well, and you're hitting on something that's really important, which is, you know, also empowering people. Um, I think that that's a big issue, especially when it comes to systems and processes is also relinquishing control. Right. Mm. The point of having systems and processes is so that you as a CEO can focus on your brilliance. Right. And so one of the things that I see a lot of times happen is either you don't have the systems and processes necessarily in place. And so your sales team, your people aren't doing what they're supposed to. And so you start slipping back as the CEO into those roles and start micromanaging or you're not confident in their ability to deliver. And so you start micromanaging and slipping and putting yourself back Mm. into that space. Right. And so, you know, systems and processes really help create boundaries and it helps support that hierarchy that sometimes really does need to be established um, and understanding who is responsible for what. Because at the end of the day, that helps you prevent waste, prevent, you know, you know, Hiring having one person do multiple things and then that person, you know, duplicating work and things along those lines. So, you know, it really gives you a big insight into effective operations, um, which I'm not even going to go there because it's not my boat. But I understand it enough that, you know, this is something that really parlays and really branches those two spaces. And I think a lot of places where people have problems is between the marketing department and the sales team when we're talking about that sales and marketing aspect of things. So marketing's doing what they're theoretically supposed to do—generating leads and all that stuff—and then the sales team comes in and they start complaining. And really, they're just pointing the finger at each other and saying, "Well, you're not yeah. doing a good job, and you're not doing a good job." But if we know what we're supposed to be doing, and things are operating effectively, and we've got our KPIs, right? Again, those measuring sticks that we know and will, you know, create success, then we can really start having the actual hard-to-hard conversations, right? You know, instead of saying, "You need to do that," "You need to do that." You know, it's kind of I think parenting really plays a lot in terms of being successful as a CEO. It's kind of, <laughs> yeah. You got to get down to your kids level. Right. So you got to go, go, go sit down with your employee and look at them and say, what do you need? Right. There is an empowerment aspect of this in terms of it's not just always shoving information at your person, mm. but really having the conversation of what do you need to be successful? What is it that you need from me? Because there's something there. If Someone's not doing what they're supposed to. It's because there's a need that's not being met.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a great point and and a brilliant analogy. I mean, having raised two kids and gone through all the challenges there, it certainly there's lots of lessons to be learned in business as well. Um the one thing it raises with me cuz you sort of prompted something there um you know, we're all about making marketing more human again, and it's all about mm-hmm. focused on the relationship cuz you can talk about KPIs and numbers and you can talk about leads uh, but leads are people, and you know you you've brought the example of parenting in. You say, well, kids, you know, there's kids should be seen, seen and not heard is <laughs> sort of the old style thing. Yeah. Whereas, you know, the I think the much more successful approach is, hey, they're they're people too. So, um, how do we balance that? You know, the, the very analytical approach of you know writing systems and here's here's how we do things and then measuring all that and building those relationships so that people are actually on board with what you're trying to do and feel that empowerment take control of of their own destiny and contribute to hey i can make this process better
1: So I think it kind of comes back down to, you know, touching base, right, and having those conversations. So, you know, it's akin to, are you sitting at the dinner table and having dinner together? Are you all watching TV together and eating dinner at separate times in different rooms, right? So what's the communication like in the family? Because it really does become family oriented. You've got work wives and work husbands and, you know, people that are, you know, (laughs) like who are, I guess your brother and sister, other people who are your cousins, you don't really want to hang out with them too much, but you're related, um, you know, and looking at how are you effectively communicating? And uh, we're just going all parental analogies here. I have three kids. I love them each the same. I love them for different things that they do. And each of them show up differently in the world. I cannot parent each one the same way. There's just no way. If I per, you know, if I did that the same for all of them, one of them is definitely going to get screwed up. Two of them might be okay. Right. But like,
2: <laughs> mm. you
1: have to modify our management style and how we show up as a CEO to how that person shows up in the world. And do you really understand what your employees assets are? Their strengths. Do you understand their weaknesses? Are you setting them up for failure by asking them to do things that they are not innately capable of doing? I see that happen all the time. Everyone wants to find that one person who can do it all. Stop it. Hmm. you do it all? Absolutely not. If you're able to, well, congratulations, you've got a magical unicorn on your hands, but they don't exist all the time. So how are you really understanding? And my favorite question to always ask is, what are you passionate about? What is it that you wanna do? Because what happens is, is so often people are gonna say something along the lines of, yes, I can do that. In their head, they're thinking, I'll figure out how to do it. Hmm. I don't really want that reaction. I want someone to be like, oh, my God, I'm so excited. To f- I'm excited to figure out how to do it. Not just that they will try to figure it out, but that they have that passion behind it. And it's one of the reasons why I typically don't have employees. I have people who are specialists in their world, in their space, because I know that that person is excited about content. That person is excited about coffee. That person is excited about funnels. That person is excited about ads. That person's right. And they're going to mm. do what they need to do. And then I've got this other person who's excited about coordinating stuff. They love the details have it <laughs> like have employees <them> right then <laughs> my job is to make sure that the communication is happening with all the teams is the person who's responsible for the detail are they actually communicating with everybody else that's where people don't understand what it is to really run a business is that you're not necessarily running the aspects in the business and doing the marketing and sales as a ceo but now you're managing the people so you've got to make that decision. What kind of business do you want to run? Do you want to be very involved in client delivery? Fantastic. You need to have a boutique business. You need to have a small team, high ticket, high level of delivery, high quality where you get to touch more of the engagement with your clients. Now, if that's not interested and you're like, I want to be Fortune 100, then know where your role in that business is going to be because it may not be CEO. It may not be chairman. You may be someone who's operating at the director level and yeah, you might be the owner, but you've got to understand, again, how you show up and your empower in power and, and your power and how each of the people who play on your team do as well because a big mistake that I see people doing is tolerating stuff for way longer than they should be. And then that really Mm. spells out your revenue and your capability to grow as an individual and as a business
0: Mm. yeah you you mentioned something there that i think is really interesting and that's you know you may be the business owner but your role doesn't necessarily have to be the ceo and it um, reminded me of several years ago google the two guys the two founders of google who essentially are, are owners although it is a publicly traded company now right, so I don't right. know. I don't know what um what share percentage they have but <laughs> I'm for, for sure it's pretty significant um and they still feel like the owners but they recognized that perhaps they weren't ready to be the CEO or joint CEO of of this company that was growing so massively fast and they brought somebody in who was you know qualified expert um right. to do that and um so charles uh schmidt was it charles um anyway
1: yeah but i mean it's it's important to know you know your strengths and your weaknesses i mean and mm. so much of my life was <laughs> focused on trying to improve my weaknesses and and conform right and mm. tell you entrepreneurs don't like to conform <laughs> 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 it's like it's just a thing it's innately within us but When I focused on my strengths and really just saying, you know what, this is where I'm going to lean on and I'm going to hire for my weaknesses. I'm going to hire for the areas that I don't enjoy. Now, it doesn't mean that I don't have an understanding of those areas. I had to Mm. do them so that I could understand what efficiency and how things work well together. Once I had that understanding, then I could start delegating because then I could really understand the value of the work that that person was bringing to the table and the value that it had to me. Um, and so then what I was willing to invest and not invest in making those time dollar decisions, right? Was this something I still wanted to do? And was I willing to put the time into it or was my time more valuable and it was better to delegate that off to someone else? Um, and so really understanding where are your strengths, which are the ones of your areas where maybe they're not so great that you could improve on. And what are the ones that you really need to let go? Um, and you know, it's, it leaning into that is really what I think opens up a lot of opportunity for people because it really helps you start standing out in terms of what is your zone of brilliance. Now there's everyone's, I, we have excellence, we have brilliance good. And then like, let's not talk about that. I should never do it kind of stuff. We're really operating 80% of your time, right. In that zone of excellence, 20% in that zone of, sorry, 80% of your time in that uh, brilliance, 20% of that time in your, in your excellence. And okay, we'll take a couple percentages off and do a little bit of the bottom stuff. But if you don't really understand who you are, how you show up, then you can't really understand who you're trying to support and how you're trying to really make an impact in the world.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, it's great advice. And operating sort of in that uh, at a high level in or a high proportion in that zone of genius and zone of passion, as you called it before as well, um, mm. It, it makes it so much more enjoyable doesn't it it doesn't feel like effort anymore and even though you might be um riding the bike with one broken crank you actually right. still you know determined to finish finish
1: it's those places and times where time ceases to exist or time changes the way in which it typically operates and, and how mm. we perceive it if you will um you know again like i did like you did something similar where i push myself beyond. And it was the hardest, one of the hardest things I've ever done. It was also one of the easiest things I've ever done.
2: Hmm.
1: How can something be the hardest and the easiest at the same time? Um, had everything to do with my mental dexterity. Um, and I think that's an area that a lot of people don't practice very much is that really feeding that drive and that determination and reinforcing it because your why is great. But if you're not working on the mental capacity aspects of it and you know reinforcing it and reinvigorating it i see a lot of people's passion die off because they disconnect themselves from their own energy source there's a mindset piece for you
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> so how can we how can we make sure we we remain connected or get connected if if we don't feel connected to that internal energy i'm gonna source. make a
1: pun it's we get connected by getting disconnected Right. And so stepping away. So, you know, it's the slow down, to speed up, yeah, yeah. The walk away to get, you know, to to make more progress kind of thing. And I think that a lot of people get start grinding and, you know, they start hustling mm. they start focusing. And then, you know, it's, it's kind of like the frog getting boiled to death. It happens very slowly until you start turn, you turn around. All of a sudden you're like, why is there chaos all around me? And it's just very progressive. So unless you take those moments consistently to step away, you're not going to see how far off course you get. So every quarter you take a day or two, right? Take the weekend, you know, it's a business write off Um, and walk away from your business and see how are you on track? How are you, you know, have you made more progress than you anticipated? Can you celebrate stuff that you don't let yourself celebrate otherwise because you're in the day to day? and really look at where are the areas for opportunity, which are the ones you want to take on and which are the ones that you're going to engage someone else with, right? Like if you're not just disconnecting to reconnect, then you're really probably putting a lot of distance between you and success.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's golden advice there, right there. And it's, One of those many counterintuitive things that, um, you know, when, when people talk to me about intuition, now I'm, I'm probably as intuitive as, as the next person. And sometimes that intuition works really well. Sometimes it's, it's in the way. Um, Mm. but there's so many things like, um, you know, just a simple example for me is if I'm stuck on something, I can kind of continue to really hammer at it until I break down whatever barrier is in the way and, get there or I can go for a walk or go for a bike ride and come back an hour later and, and things just fall into place usually. And mm. it's, it's the same thing just on a grander scale, isn't
1: it? Uh, absolutely. And I think so here I should just post the 10 lessons that I learned. So, you know, in business... <laughs> I think there's this, especially at least in American society, um, and I think in a lot of first world countries, it's there's this like drive for independence, independent success, having to do it on your own, hmm. be self-sufficient. And it's just absolutely the opposite. So you're going to need help. You're going to have to ask for help hmm. and you have to be willing to receive it. Those are the three different areas. So people will recognize they need help and they may not ask for it. And some people will recognize it. They will ask for it and then they will keep their hand, right? Yeah. Yeah. Arms length from it. But the willingness to receive it is one of the things that I think is very hard, especially for entrepreneurs. Why? Because we're highly driven. We're very focused. We're going, we're doing things. You know, we're, we're just, it's, there's a mission, right? So stopping and asking and receiving, it's kind of the, how do you receive when all you know is how to do things? So that's where the counterintuitive aspects of things come in place, which is it's the slow down to speed up. It's the disconnect to connect. Um, I'm going to have to come up with a slew of these these polarizing yeah, statements. Um, but really, you know, understanding that if you look at others who have done it before and take a moment to analyze how they're doing it, then you can probably overcome the things faster. You have to understand you are going to fail. You're going to fall. You're going to get dirty but it can be fun in the process it doesn't always have to be painful right so it's these dualities of how can you enjoy the moment even in the worst aspects of things because that is the light that will shine when you are in a dark place again it's the evidence that you can succeed and so many people love to dismiss all of the evidence that demonstrate that they have the capacity to succeed and that they have the capacity to build a team, to be the CEO, to drive the sales, to drive the marketing, to do all the things, because the good news is, is all of that is just skill set. None of that is complicated. It is all foundational, but we just love to make it complicated because <laughs> yeah. we want to keep people in business. So we, don't, <laughs> we need other people to come in. But when we look at things and really strip it down to its basic functions, your job as any business owner is to create relationships. It's to value the relationships of the transaction and stop thinking in a one dimensional way. So many people are thinking leads, client, right? That's not how it works. That's like mm. the, that's one path and that's great. However, if you're leaving a ton of money on the table if you aren't looking at referral partners, affiliate opportunities, strategic partners, Um uh, you know, podcasting, speaking, visibility, connections, friendship. Hmm. Every single one of those doors is open. But if you keep the blinders on, you're going to leave opportunity behind because it's constantly knocking. The good news is, is once you walk through one of those doors, all of those doors become available to you again. But you have to be willing to do the upfront work, which means keeping in touch with people, stop using them for a one-off experience and keep <laughs> in touch and see how you can be of value to them because it will come back. The best salespeople in the world, the best people who generate leads, the most successful people in the world have a black book of connections of people that they have stayed in touch with, that they have built relationship with, that they have deemed worthy of their time to be able to associate with them and to count them as one of the five people over and over and over again to be part of their life. Because together we can do more than if we're trying to do things independently all the time
0: yeah well, that's, it on the side. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic advice and um you know i've got <laughs> i've got a story but it's probably a, a, a bit of a negative one but it's just counter to what you've just been saying and it's uh, you know it's one of my favorite um not to do's on linkedin is mm. when mm. when i accept the connection and the next the next thing i get is um hey um, here's here's our stuff. You know, do you want to buy this thing? God, and yeah, I had one
1: them pitchy Pete, and then yeah, yeah. pitch slaps, right? Like you guys, you I know you're. I had one, I know, yeah, like, I had
0: one recently, but you know, I so I ignored it, right? And then there was a second one. Did you see my earlier message? And here it is again. <laughs> and so I ignored it again. Yesterday I got the third one. This is the last time I will send you a message. So which was to me kind of a little bit demeaning, you know, I'm going to penalise you if you don't respond. This is the last message you're going to get for me. So I thought, all right, you want to play that game. So I, I, there was a little thing down the bottom, a little link from LinkedIn saying, you know, report this as spam, report this thing. So I've never tried this out. I wonder what happens. So I reported it as spam and then there was another option, you know, report this, person to LinkedIn so I hit that as well and I actually got a response from LinkedIn that said we've investigated this case and we've deemed that the the message that you complained about does not violate our terms of conditions so we're not taking any further actions and I thought okay well I will just disconnect from that person
1: <laughs> yeah well i mean one then they become on the radar right but but mm. you know so many of these people like it's a, the reasoning behind what they're doing is is someone out there this strategy absolutely worked five years ago six yeah, yeah. years ago right absolutely did There's a psychological disgusting strategy that they're using there. It's NLP in terms of I'm going to remove the opportunity from you to cause you to go into a reactive state. It's the I have a present for you. And if you don't respond, I'm going to take it away. And the child in us is going to go, no, 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 no. Right. But the problem is, is so many people are savvy to the strategy that they basically do pretty much what you did, which is, you know, raise the middle finger and go, all right, I'm going to show you what. Um, <laughs> it is not how to do business online. It's This is no. a churn and burn approach. It's a bro strategy. Um, and that person learned it from someone else. And here's the thing, as often as I've, you know, and I've tried a couple of times of bringing people to the light, right? They won't mm. because they've invested in something. And if they are, if they admit that what they are doing doesn't work, I've made them wrong. So one, they're not gonna buy from someone that makes them feel bad about themselves. And two, they're never going to admit that what they've done is a mistake because shame and ego Mm. and all that will prevent them.
2: Yeah. So I release
1: them into the world to let them do whatever it is that they need to do because at the end of the day, they'll either figure it out or they're gonna go out of business. And so have I used that strategy in the past? Yeah, I learned it from someone and I realized Mm. very quickly that it didn't work because I learned it from some kind of course. And that was, for me, a defining moment of, I don't like it when people do this to me, which is another trigger, which is why a lot of people don't hmm. do what they're supposed to, which is engage in conversation. So many of us have been used and abused in this way online, right? By these pitchy peats. Um, I have a friend that calls them leg humpers. Um, and they come <laughs> in and they do all this, right? Um, And they don't want to do it to someone else. So they actually use that as an excuse not to do the foundational work. Which is actually getting into conversation. So I talk mm-hmm. about that of how do you go from talking about the weather to whether you should work together? That weather to weather turn of the conversation <laughs> isn't what you experienced. It's not the, hey, we just connected, you know, let's go ahead and, you know, start doing business. No, because one, someone who probably says yes to that is probably not someone you're going to want to work with, mm. but two, it's, it's all operating from a space of lack and scarcity. And so energetically, that's just not something that I want to call into my life. Instead, what I recommend people do is instead of trying to force yourself on someone else, um, try entering their space, meaning it's kind of like not, you know, kind of barging into someone's apartment without knocking first. Hmm. So what you do is maybe you meet them in the hallway. Hey, how you doing? Just keep walking by, right? Like, you're fine. We're not trying to be aggressive here. Then you see them in the lobby. Maybe you ride up in the elevator, you start a conversation and then all of a sudden you're like, Hey, there's this, you know, this party, you want to go and hang out? Sure. And then you're building this rapport. Hmm. This rapport doesn't have to take two years, but it can also happen in 24 hours. But what you're doing is, is as you're building this rapport with people that you understand are your ideal clients, meaning how are you qualifying people before you're engaging them in conversation and not creating some stupid list from a stupid robot and emailing every single one of those people, which probably 90% of them don't match your ideal client persona. Sorry, side tangent, other thing I have issues with because people don't really know who they're trying to work
0: with. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, this, this is the, the big thing with those, those things. I mean, this person I, yeah, I suspect probably didn't even, didn't even check my profile. I don't know what they were selling. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, interested in buying anything so i didn't right. even and look and they're doing more harm but, than you know, good by doing yeah this. but you know whatever it was they were selling they spent no time checking whether i was even interested and so you know they're, they're grinding away at this wheel that is just spinning in the sand because well, they're it's not very, to somebody who's interested
1: very bro strategy meaning what what people are trying to do is force people into a decision hmm. and that's not what happens that's not how humans work. How humans work is I'm hungry. I'm going to go eat, right? Yeah. They don't go. I just ate. Oh, I'm going to eat some more. Like some people do because they have problems, but whatever. But most people don't operate that way. And so what we're trying to do, like we as a collective, the good <laughs> marketers and salespeople out there is we are creating an opportunity. So we're creating a container. For when someone gets to a place to making that decision, that person could already be in crisis and need you now. Absolutely. Those are the people that buy fast, Hmm. right? There's 3% of people you're connected to are going to do that now. So I'm going to do the percentages. 3% of people are ready to buy at any given time. 7% of people need a little bit more information before they buy from you. 60% of people need a little bit, even more information. So they just need to be nurtured, right? And then 30% of people are never going to buy. Problem is, is most people market to the bottom 30 if you're yep. afraid of those unsubscribes, if you are not wanting the, the 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 negative the negativity, all that stuff, you're marketing to the bottom thirty. The problem is, is that people are focused on the three percent. That's those pictures right there. Mm. But look at all the opportunity that they're leaving on the on the table, right? And so now, let's say you're focusing on the three and the seven. That's ten percent. you're leaving sixty percent of opportunities right there on the table. Mm. You're not leveraging time. I'd, yeah. and I'd say even those thirty,
0: even those thirty percent that aren't going to buy as long as you recognize, you know, they're not going to buy, they're still people, you can still have the conversations in the hallway. And they they might say, hey, um, now that I know you're about this, I've got somebody that you should meet.
1: Exactly. So I mean, and we're not marketing to them, but we definitely we might attract them energetically, meaning they Mm -hmm. like what you're about. They like your personality. They like your red streak in your hair. There's something about you they may like, you may not be the right person. But this is where abundance mindset comes into place. It's why I do things like I do networking events. I do podcasting. I do um, I bring speakers into my Facebook group, right? I, I ex- expose to whatever word, but I, I um, expose them to other people because perhaps I'm the conduit to get them to the person that they need. And so yeah. that in terms of creating that cross pollination is how you create a movement. It's how you create real impact. Because they're going to remember that experience with you. So when someone comes across their path that says, oh, man, I really need X, Y, Z, even though they may not have worked with you, they will then be able to refer you. That's how we continue to keep all those doors of opportunity open instead of shutting them shut before they even have a chance to have someone knock on them.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's great. I love it. All right. Well, I'm just... um... Looking at the clock now, I think this is a fabulous conversation. We could keep going for ages and maybe we need to run a second episode at some point. But I think it's a good point now With on that nice positive note to move <laughs> on to the buzz, which is our innovation round. And I ask these five questions of every one of our guests. The idea is that you'll give us some really insightful answers and inspire the listener to go and do something awesome today as a result. So you're all set? Yes. What's the number one thing you think anyone needs to do to be more innovative?
1: Hmm. I think that they need to lean into their strengths um, and really understand how they add value in the world.
0: Hmm. And we've talked quite a bit about how you go about doing that. And
1: See how I brought that full circle?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> All right, now what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? Ah.
1: <sighs> I think what I've done is talk to people. I think that I'm a verbal processor, and so when I can get my ideas out and I can hear other people and listen to them and not just wait to say what I wanna say, Um I think that a lot of other people can relate to that, mm. I can hear the better idea, um it, you know, kind of channeling in a way. And so I think practice makes perfect. And sharing, um, enables that to, that innovation to happen. So sharing ideas, sharing conversations, connecting with people on a heart to heart basis.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And, and again, you know, the idea of those relationships where you can actually, mm-hmm. um, talk to somebody because you've built a relationship, you care about the person. So it's not about a transaction. It's about having that heart to heart discussion and, yeah. and also people feel comfortable saying, that's rubbish or Mm. um it could be good if you change this which of course you know because of the relationship and and that honest conversation then can be had and can be productive
1: yep it's it's uh it's not saying but but yes and yes that and let's add to that Hmm.
0: great the famous yes and from the improvisation school
1: (laughs) yes (laughs) Oh, I remember that. (laughs) (laughs) All
0: right. Now, favorite resource of yours that you use most often?
1: Mm, The internet. Um, I Google. Whenever I'm stuck, whenever I need inspiration, when I need something, I go and I literally Google the question that's in my head. And even though the search terms may not result in something, it creates a spark of inspiration and I follow that inspiration. I don't just let it die on the vine.
0: Hmm. Yeah. How do you prevent? because I, I do that, I, um, and YouTube is one of my favorites, particularly if I'm stuck doing something. Uh, mm-hmm. But how do you, first of all, prevent you going down that rabbit hole and following your curiosity so that at the end of the day, you've suddenly, oh, I've spent the whole day researching this and <laughs> hasn't actually been productive. And also, how do you marry that with, because this is the risk I see, and I fall into this trap all the time, of I probably should just get somebody else to do this. Mm. Um, I think the, the asking for help that we talked about earlier. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that if I'm going down the rabbit hole, then it's probably something that needs to, I need help on. Right. So Mm. if I'm spending too much time, um, I also try to do a check-in with myself. And so, uh, you know, every day I try to look at my to-do list and I identify the things that need to be done today and the things that can be delegated, the things I need to do, all that good stuff, right. In terms of organization, Um, but one of the things I think that I've had to start doing is trust myself a lot more than I have in the past, meaning that if something lands in my mind, if something, an idea pops up, if I have an intrinsic reaction to something to trust that initial reaction and to look at how that can serve me. So if I feel like I'm wasting time again, then I need to look at that. If I've gone off the deep end, then it's like, well, okay, hold on. Let me recognize this and see what, how I can fix this. And if it's not something I can do, who is it that can help me with solving this problem?
0: Hmm. Okay. Right. I'll have to, um, build those checks into when I'm doing that, <laughs> going down those rabbit holes. Now, what's the best way to keep a client on track?
1: KPIs. Honestly. Um, so I like to measure things and the things that produce an ROI. Um, so I look at, for me specifically with my clients, I look at their content, their visibility efforts, how many leads they're generating, how many conversations they're having, how many people they're inviting to a sales call and how many calls they're closing. I will also track their offers, meaning not everybody needs to have an offer. So I'll have sales calls, they'll have sales calls and an offer is not being made because it's not a right fit. Um, so to keep someone on track, you've got to understand what is it that you're measuring against because clarity isn't measurable, right? Um, inspiration isn't measurable. So what are the components that you can measure? And even when it's like, let's say you're a psychologist, right? Like that's hard to measure in terms of, you know, let's say you're a relationship psychologist. What you can do is you can measure things at the beginning, at the end. Hey, how are you feeling right now on a scale of one to 10? At the end of the call, how are you feeling now on a scale of one to 10? And then you have to track that and say, look, at the very beginning of our sessions of working together, You were consistently at a two at the very beginning of our sessions, and you're consistently now at a, you know, a seven. It wasn't, so it helps with reinforcing that progress is being made when we can't visibly see it sometimes. So the numbers help support the ego, again, so that we continue to operate from our heart
0: space. Hmm. Yeah, that's um, really good to find creative ways to do those measures. Um, How do you make sure that most of the measures are actually lead measures as opposed to lagging measures Um, because one of the things that i see a lot in in some of these marketing tools to measure these kpis is that whilst they can be very valuable and you can learn some good lessons but it's usually around well that's all happened in the past Uh, yes we can change some things if we learn okay if we um you know we're down on the number of conversations, for example, we're having so we can focus more on conversations for the future and go ahead. But how can we get more lead indicators in place that that actually are more real time so that um, there's not this lag between, okay, we're down here in the results and we need to climb the mountain again?
1: You know, I think that's more of an introspective question, meaning the individual has to, you know, journal on that or recognize. I think that's where it kind of it's advantageous to work with someone who has that coaching capability or that background because they can ask those introspective questions. So, for example, I had a client who was shying away from being visible and then all of a sudden something sparked and she started being visible. And I noticed and said, hey, you're doing a lot of stuff recently. Like, I love it. What changed? So that question of what changed. And so now in my notes, I have the answer to that. So when and if she ever gets into a place where she might be avoiding something like that, I can go back to that and say, hey, you experienced this before and this is what you did. Would that be valuable for you now? Right. Or what of this do you want to implement? Right. And so it's just kind of creating that backlog of resources that help you, again, future focus and get you back into action versus, you know, looking at, like you said, lead versus lag.
0: Okay, interesting. All right, now what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves?
1: They need to be themselves. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> I
1: like, asked the easiest one, which, you know, again, mm. at the end of the day, people buy from people. If you're not a multi-billion dollar company, then you are still your business and people buy you. And so you need to lead your marketing with your values, who you are, how you show up in the world and what it is that you want to accomplish that is what attracts other people it's the i think a lot of people don't like focus so much on the demographic aspects of the things that they Mm. really forget to lean into the psychographics you are someone's after how you show up in the world demonstrates the feasibility and the ability for that person to do the same for themselves so if you are not showing up in all of the ways that someone who's successful does which means sharing the good and the bad again you decide what is private versus personal and get right up to that line. Um, hopefully that clap doesn't screw things up for you, (laughs) (laughs) um, get right up to that line. Um, you know, the, 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 the Facebook facade, the perfection and all that stuff, that's not attractive. It's Mm. great to know those things. And my God, please stop celebrating your own successes and celebrate your clients. Yeah. No one cares what you did for yourself in your business. If I see one more person say, "I did this in a launch," well, you know what? Congratulations. That makes me feel like you might have conned people. If your clients are consistently creating repeat results, that's a testament to your ability and your process to be able to support other people in achieving it for themselves.
0: Hmm. Yes, that that piece of advice alone is worth listening to the whole episode. Up. To
2: your <laughs> <now>. <laughs> Yay!
0: <laughs> Wonderful. All right. Now, um, this has been absolutely fabulous. Where can people reach out and find out more about the work you're doing, listen to your your podcast, and maybe even reach out and say thanks for what you've shared today?
1: I appreciate it. Is it okay if I share a free resource with people today? Um, So, of course, you can find me on LinkedIn and Facebook, and, and I have a Facebook group and all that good stuff. And I'm sure you all are savvy enough to be able to Google Kat Stancic or the lead boss, and you'll find me. And the Revenue Accelerator is my podcast. Now, what I would love to share is actually a instant access three part training series, which gives you access to three components of how I work with people. So my process is connect, converse and close. So the first thing I want to do is actually share with you how to create your system and process of generating leads in an hour or less a day. So I actually break down what that hour looks like, what the activities are, and how to start activating those connections that you have. The second piece that I share with you is actually how to start monetizing some of your current connections, meaning there are people you already connected to who want to work with you, but you may not have asked the right question. And so what I'm providing with you is swipe copy. Remember, modify these to your voice. If you put them the way that they are, there's brackets, it's going to look obvious, um, so put yourself, infuse yourself and put your personality in there, but it's swipe copy to help people raise their hands to say, I'm ready to work with you. And then the third piece is all about how you're leading people through to the close. And so I share my close script, which is actually C L O S E close that my clients and I use to close over 80 to 90% of our sales calls. So those are all instant access. You can have fun and, you know, really create a lot more success in your business just by being more you and really sharing all of your amazingness in the world. So you can find that at fullybooked.ceo. I always forget to share the link, so I was really proud I remember that. I get so excited excited. about it. I'm like, (laughs) and that's it. You only get to hear about it.
0: Yeah, that was fine. I was just thinking that's amazing, that uh, resource. That that will be hugely valuable. I'm sure people will really get a lot from that. And I said, where's the link? Where's the link? (laughs) I remember to ask for the link. (laughs) So fullybooked.ceo.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Excellent. it's it's all about creating leverage and, you know, getting faster results by also having more fun in your business, being that CEO. Yeah.
0: And if you forget the link, if you're listening to this while driving, we will have the link in the show notes. Okay, now do you have some parting advice for our listeners today, Kat?
1: Hmm. Um. You know, I think that a lot of people are always paying attention, feel like people are paying attention to how fast you're running how fast you're going. And I think if people really just release the fact that no one's watching, <laughs> no one really cares how fast you're going. No one cares that you fell in your face. What people are watching is whether you're continuing, right? They're looking for that consistency. Consistency is the ultimate risk reversal in business. How you show up for yourself, it demonstrates how you will show up for your clients. So when you show up consistently, you're showing that your clients are going to be able to have those same experiences with you as well as with the results that you're promising.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's really valuable advice. And consistency is such a big thing. I think it's so important to, you know, if you know, if you love doing something, you know it's resonating with the people you have relationships with, with your clients, with, the people who might become clients and keep doing it and keep doing it regularly.
1: Exactly. Hmm.
0: Great. All right. Well, finally, Kat, who else should I get on this show and why?
1: Hmm. I need to get you a list of people. I have quite a few people. Who are you looking for next um, as someone that you think would add value to your audience?
0: Well, would Seth Godin be too big of an ask? <laughs> <laughs> But, uh,
1: he's probably a couple of degrees of separation. Yeah, me, yeah. So I'll, I'll energetically put that out there for you.
0: Okay. Well, seriously though, people who are doing amazing work, because you know it's always great to have somebody like Seth Godin, and I'm sure he would be absolutely amazing on the show. But there's lots of people that don't have his profile who are also doing amazing things, and I really enjoy meeting everybody that that can contribute that. So.
1: Yes. So there's quite a few people that I'm thinking of. I'm going to make a list. Um, I'll have at least five people. Um, but I want to, I want to make sure that they are the people that are going to one, say yes. <laughs> um, and two, have a good reach for you because I think it's all about creating those connections. So there's, uh, Megan Conter, Jen Kogan, um, uh, Michelle Schaefer, um, a whole bunch of people. I mean, there's going to be some, a lot of women. So that's all yeah. right. Good. <laughs>
0: Okay, well, yeah, we'll follow up with you on that once you've Mm -hmm. had a chance to confirm with them. And, um, yeah, look forward to speaking with each and every one of them.
1: Yes, fantastic. I'll make some intros.
0: Excellent. Well, thanks so much for sharing your time and insights with us so generously today, Kat. This has been fun. As I say, you know, we've kind of scratched the surface of a lot of things and probably can dig a lot deeper into those. So maybe we'll look at a future... Reappearance, yeah. <laughs> to talk specifically on one or more of those areas, particularly, I think you know you touched on some of the sales or, or your process there at the end. So I certainly encourage people to check out that fullybook.co link and your your um, Lead Boss Jumpstart offer there. Uh, but maybe we can dig into that some, at a yeah. future episode.
1: I love it. I love what I do. <laughs>
0: All right, well, all the best for the future and um, we'll stay in touch and I'll let you get back to taking care of Paula, wasn't it?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, that popped in for a brief guest appearance there.
1: Yes, the little Juliet, yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, thanks, Kat. hope you enjoyed that really engaging and insightful conversation with Kat and took something away from her episode. I love her focus on creating amazing experiences and consistently doing the things that matter. Consistency is such an important thing. I'm curious to know what you took away from Kat's episode. Leave a comment below the blog post which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Kat Stancic, that is C A T. S-T-A-N-C-I-K or lowercase or one word InnovaBiz.co forward slash Cat You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Kat as well as links to the Action Incubator website, to the Revenue Accelerator podcast, to her offer as well as the social media pages and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. If you liked this episode, Please do share it with other people that it might help. You're doing them a favour, really. Tag me in on that share and I will reach out to you with a special thank you. Kat suggested that we have a conversation with marketing strategist Mary Charnecki, with systems strategist Amber Dancy, and with Wendy Manganaro of Social Marketing Abundance on future InnovaBuzz podcast episodes. So Mary, Amber, and Wendy, keep an eye on your inboxes for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast, courtesy of Kat Stancic. Tune in again to the next episodes of the InnovaBuzz podcast where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up including Arliss Dudley-Cash from Solutions by Arliss and author of Magnetic Stories, Gabrielle Dolan. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to InnovaBiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember... Be awesome and keep innovating.